visualizing your MongoDB data. That's what we're talking about today. Nick Raboy, my co-host, and I sit down with Tom Hollander, lead product manager for MongoDB Charts, and Matt Fairbrass, one of the super smart engineers that works on that product. We learn about the history of charts. We learn about how you can begin to leverage charts and add value to your data. So if you're a developer that's built a product that manages data and you want to incorporate some charts and graphs into your product, maybe in an admin panel or maybe even some statistics on the landing page of your app, this is how you're going to do it. You can leverage MongoDB charts to do that. You can get started super quickly. Even if you don't have a MongoDB cluster, you can get started for free cloud.mongodb.com register launch a free tier instance no credit card necessary load some sample data launch into charts and and build your first charts in literally about two minutes i hope you enjoy the episode stay tuned the only constant in software is change software data and all things mongodb welcome to the mongodb podcast with your hosts michael lynn and nick raboy Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. I'm really excited to, to dig into MongoDB charts and learn a little bit more about uh, about this amazing product. So Tom, uh, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom Hollander. Uh, give us, a, give us a, a quick rundown of who you are and what you do. Uh, thanks, Mike. So yeah, my name is Tom. Um, I am the product manager for the charts team. Uh, basically, I've got an awesome job. I really get to talk to customers find out what people are doing around data visualization, what they want to do with with data visualization. And then I work with our amazing engineering team and I tell them what to build and then um, really then help tell the world about what they've built. So it's really kind of a proxy between the customers and the engineering team to make sure we build great products. Outstanding. And what a great segue. Matt Fairbrass, uh, give us a little rundown on who you are and what you do. Um, well, I do what Tom says. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good answer. Uh, I'm, uh, so I'm Matt Fairbrass. I'm a senior software engineer on the MongoDB charts team, and I've been with the team now for just over three years. Outstanding. Uh, that's great. And um, so today we're going to be talking about charts and visualization of data and um you know, it's, it's something that I'm really super interested in because I'm a visual learner. I'm a visual person. I, um, I also happen to have a, a highly analytical side. So this is kind of like that Venn diagram of, of um, highly analytical and, and visual. So, um, so great. I'm really glad that you guys are going to take the time and, and talk to us today. Um, so, Tom, I, I know that you have spent a good bit of your career as a as an architect, um, have you have you been doing product management for for a long time? Uh, so I mean, I've I've moved around a whole bunch of different roles um, across my career. So I spent a bunch of time at, at Microsoft uh, prior to coming to MongoDB. Um, in some ways, I, I just love building software. So I've been a developer, I've been an architect, I've been a project manager, and I've been a product manager, and I liked all those jobs. Um, uh, certainly, I guess, as I've gotten further in my career, I realize there's uh, probably uh, younger people who are much better at coding with some of the newer frameworks than I probably am today. I still r- love writing code. Um, I still do actually occasionally fix bugs and do things in the MongoDB code base. Um, but product manager is um, just one of the really fun jobs. And, I, and as I mentioned in my intro, um, it's really kind of a, a, a role where you can kind of steer the ship to figure out what the product should be 
um, and um, that's very rewarding, very fun. Um, but really, I guess the, the art of building software is what I enjoy. And as long as I'm in a team um, working t- to get great outcomes and solve hard problems, I'm generally pretty happy. Did you come to MongoDB specifically to work on this project uh, product? Uh, it was sort of just a, a fortuitous set of circumstances. So um, I'd, I'd sort of done almost every job I could in my last company. Um, it was a great few years, but I was a great many years, but I was looking at doing something new. And um, I'd, I'd had times when I was working on sort of pure engineering, uh, building software, um, but I had sort of moved into other sort of roles, which were maybe not quite as exciting to me. So I was looking for a place where I could go back into working day to day with an engineering team. And it just happened that at that particular juncture is when this particular product uh, team was being formed. And um, Matt can talk a little bit more about the history, um, but it was kind of right time, right place for something I was pretty passionate about. Both of you guys came in at roughly the same time. Did you guys have any influence in starting this project or was it already in the pipeline at MongoDB? Uh, it was in the pipeline and I guess I'll throw over to Matt to talk a little bit about how charts came to be because yeah, when I joined, the the, 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 the product did exist. Um, it wasn't in a shippable state at that time, um, but the decision that MongoDB was going to build a data visualization product had kind of already been made at the time I came. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll let Matt talk a little bit about about how this product came to be because it's a fairly interesting story. Yeah, so I joined MongoDB um, around mid-2017. And by this point, uh, charts had existed in one form or another, but its DNA goes back a lot further, which is is quite an interesting story. So um, 2014, um, MongoDB ran a Skunkworks, uh, which is essentially a week-long hackathon where the engineering teams can... uh, work with whoever they want and build whatever they want as, as a sort of like uh, a, re- a release from their sort of day-to-day jobs. Um, and one such team formed by uh, Thomas Rukstis, who is actually the uh, technical lead on Charts today, along with uh, Ramon Fernandez, uh, Lucas Habrovsky and Walter Mendez, uh, built a project which they called Kaleido, uh, which essentially was a very, very rudimentary um version of charts. Um, it did data visualization using uh, data stored in MongoDB. Um, and it won one of those uh, categories. Um, in Moving on from there, 2014, Thomas then moved out of his support role into a developer role. And together with Lucas, they started uh, the team that would eventually build Compass. Um, fast forward a bit through the timeline, 2016-17, and Together, that team built a plugin for Compass based off of that idea uh, they had um, built together in uh, the Skunk Works. Um, and essentially, what they built looks very much like what the product is today in one way, shape, or form. And that was what was demoed at MongoDB World in 2017. So, Charts actually existed uh, inside Compass as a plugin when I joined the team. And then it was in late 2017, we realized that there was actually more to this, uh, to this product than uh, possibly what could be offered as a, as a plug-in for Compass. And so while it was a difficult decision at the time, uh, we decided to split the team, which at that time was com- comprised of engineers across three time zones, uh, building essentially what was two products. Um, the team in North America and Europe would take over responsibility of building Compass. 
And we as a newly formed team down in Sydney uh, would take over the responsibility of building charts, um, which which meant we had to do a lot of rewriting. Um, so that was a, an interesting year. And I think it was around this time that Tom actually joined uh, the team um, and sort of had to deal with uh, the untangling of, uh, of those two code bases to get a shippable product. Um, and it was in 2018 uh, at MongoDB World that we announced the beta of uh, MongoDB charts. Um, and then 2019, charts became generally available. And all the way up to here we are today with the uh, charts embedding SDK being one of the many features we announced this year at MongoDB Live. That's a pretty awesome story. So what was the reason for bringing it out of Compass to begin with? Um, I think there was a couple of reasons. Uh, I think Tom could probably speak to sort of the, the more business-orientated reasons. Uh, purely from a, just a engineering point of view and a team management point of view, um, it was becoming very difficult to coordinate um, how to build this product across three different time zones. This is a, a challenge that I faced in uh, other companies I've worked for, and I think it's probably a story that a lot of listeners will be familiar with. How do you build these large-scale products with multiple teams across multiple time zones? It's a really difficult problem uh, to solve. And we felt that if we could focus one team on one specific core set of functionality, um, then we could actually build a better um, product as a result. So for folks listening that may not be familiar with the MongoDB product set, um, obviously we're talking about charts. That's a that's a product that that's in the analytical space. Um, <clears throat> we got a little bit of a rundown on that, but the, we, we did mention a number of times Compass and MongoDB Compass is the graphical user interface for MongoDB. It's a tool that you install on your laptop or desktop and you can use it to connect to your MongoDB data sources and and do things like edit data, add data, uh, and it does have some visualizations built in. You can visualize your schema. So when we mention Compass, that's what we're talking about. Yep. And sorry, Mark, you were um, talking about Venn diagrams before, and I guess to elaborate on the questions about why Charts is a separate product, um, we kind of look at sort of Compass and 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 Charts almost a bit like Venn diagrams in terms of capabilities that people might want. So Compass, as you said, is basically sort of the MongoDB IDE. Um, it's great for looking at individual documents, looking at schemas, uh, managing indexes, uh, authoring aggregation pipelines. Um, the ability to create simple like histograms to show the spread of values in your schema is a, a great feature inside Compass. Um, developers, as they are building um, MongoDB products and uh, products on MongoDB, uh, certainly can benefit from visualization, but we also see a much broader audience uh, for charts, people who might be making business decisions, looking at uh, dashboards showing the key performance metrics. Uh, some of those people might not necessarily uh, want to look at the individual documents or know some of the technical aspects of the MongoDB query language. So while there's certainly a lot of developers that love and use both uh, Compass and Charts, uh, we see that there's sort of an overlapping but disjoint set of use cases, which is why we thought that it would be better to actually make Charts its own kind of standalone product. Yeah, and I think there's there's specialized enough, specialized use cases enough that it probably calls for them to be in separate spaces. I'd like to I'd like to get into the, the stack a little bit. Um, obviously, the the visualization capabilities of the product are quite impressive. You can you can do a lot of really amazing things with with MongoDB charts to visualize your data. 
what, what tell us a little bit maybe this for for Matt tell us a little bit about the stack what's what's driving this and how how is it built well the actual uh, visualizations themselves are powered by a JavaScript library called Vega um, and essentially it's a, a visualization grammar uh, that allows us to quickly uh, write a specification for how a chart should look and then we can encode uh, the values into that spec to produce the visual visualization that you see on screen. Um, the actual uh, web application itself is a React application. Um, so anyone that's familiar sort of with those JavaScript front-end technologies will um, will know some of the challenges around building a single-page application that those frameworks present. And the back-end is actually um, our own um, serverless product um, realm, formerly known as Stitch. That's great. So uh, eating our own dog food for sure. Oh What's... yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And I think it's like that's a really like important point. I think like teams should dog food their own products more. Um, we use charts internally within our team to track a whole bunch of um, uh, metrics and key performance indicators and stuff like that. We use, as I said, Realm um, made by a, a whole another team um, to to provide the the, the server side uh, aspects of the product. Um, and it's this kind of close collaboration between uh, the teams that allows uh, each product individually to um, to uh, develop um, and to to become better for our end users ultimately. Hmm. So, what's it like running a production service? Obviously, MongoDB Charts is a service built into MongoDB Atlas. Um, <clears throat> it is a product. What is it like to run a production service uh, with? I'm going to guess hundreds of thousands of users that are at least tens of thousands, maybe hundreds, hundreds of thousands of users, depending on, uh, on that product. And it's, it's all depending on MongoDB and the MongoDB Atlas platform. How has that been? Obviously <laughs> you guys work for the company, so you're going to probably be, be hesitant to say anything really super negative, but, but let's be honest, like what's it like running MongoDB in production? So I, I guess in some ways, because we've built charts on top of MongoDB Atlas and MongoDB Realm, it's actually very easy for us to run because um, other people in the company are already responsible for keeping those products running for, for customers. So the whole benefit of using Atlas, I guess, is you can you just have this database. It's always available, always reliable. It gets patched um, automatically. Um, there's people that do all that work. Um, and that's the, I guess, the Atlas operations team. We basically get that same benefit that uh, that customers get. So the back end of charts, it uses Atlas clusters. Um, it says it uses, it uses Realm. Um, so we don't really need to worry about those services. They're just there. Um, when we deploy charts, we basically push out, obviously, new versions of the back end code, new versions of the front end code. But we don't really need to worry about those operational aspects uh, ourselves. Um, in terms of using Realm, um, like we are probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest Realm application in the world uh, because Charts is a pretty big complex app. So we've had to, I guess, push it to its limits um, a little bit. Uh, luckily, we can uh, sort of send Slack messages to the Realm engineers day or night and they're super responsive and help us with uh, a lot of um, sort of questions. Uh, but generally speaking, I guess having... Uh, this this whole data platform behind us uh, where we can kind of stand on the shoulders of giants, I suppose, and build what we're good at, which is front ends and data visualization code and not have to worry about sort of connection pooling 
and patching servers and things that other people in the company are very good at. Essentially, what you're running in terms of a service that depends on MongoDB could quite feasibly be done by any company. I mean, essentially, you're you're not using any special versions of MongoDB or special access in Atlas. You're you're cons- you're basically dog fooding, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so this is a kind of an example of the kinds of big applications, big multi-tenant uh, cloud services you can build on the MongoDB data platform. So you mentioned that Charts has a dependency of using several or many MongoDB clusters. Can you talk about what it's like to scale your MongoDB services in order to keep up with the demand of Charts? Um, again, I guess we don't need to worry too much because it's just kind of built into those services. So when somebody renders a chart using Charts, the, the, the heavy lifting actually happens in their own Atlas cluster. So someone say they've got a collection of a million documents and they want to build a, a bar chart. Uh, what happens is Charts will build a, an aggregation pipeline uh, that will say, take those million documents and turn that into the 10 bars that show the number of products by category or whatever. And that just happens in that customer's MongoDB cluster, if it's a sharded cluster or if it's got indexes or um, whatever size of cluster it is. All those things that the service just does is how that chart gets calculated. Um, the the actual um, Atlas cluster that we use to run the, cl- the chart service is actually um, not super heavily used. Like it stores the definitions of the dashboards and charts, but the actual data and the the, the processing of the data happens in the customer's own uh, clusters. Um, in terms of Realm, so Realm is a serverless elastic platform. So as more customers do more things, that platform just kind of scales itself. So we don't need to worry about that as the charts team. So it, what's the is there an overhead associated with running charts as a part of my my MongoDB Atlas implementation? Uh, look, it's not magic, I guess, in that every time you build a chart, it, um, it there's there's processing that has to happen. A couple of things that really may reduce the the load from what you might expect. So, firstly, a charts uh, sorry a MongoDB replica set has uh, what we call primary and secondary nodes. Uh, the primary nodes are the ones that do the read and write operations, while the secondary nodes are basically there to take over in case there's a, a failure, but also they can be used for read-only workloads. So Charts always uses those secondary nodes, which are largely sitting idle because they don't process any any writes. Um, so we're making use of that almost idle capacity to generate those charts. Uh, the other thing we've um, introduced fairly recently is server-side caching. So if, um, if uh, you and I are both wanting to see the same dashboard um, and you generate the charts and it runs those aggregation queries, and then five minutes later or whatever, I come and want to view the same dashboard, uh, it won't rerun that query again. It will just return the cache data if it's within my tolerance. So that's a way we've uh, improved, improved the responsiveness while at the same time reducing the, the load on your clusters. So that caching tolerance, I assume that this is something that you can set from within the charts dashboard? Yeah, every user can basically say, um, this particular dashboard, I'm prepared to see data that's up to one hour old or one minute old or 24 hours old. And you can actually choose that as your own personal setting. Obviously, it depends a lot on the scenario. If you're looking at, um, say, stock trading data, you probably want something that's super recent. If you're looking at kind of product sales, maybe that data is only updated once a day anyway, so it's fine to see day-old data. So you're completely in control of of how that cache gets used. Now, if I was the admin of the underlying data or the chart, 
Am I able to go in and do a force refresh of the cache or is this something that's heavily dependent on the value that you configure? No, you can force refresh either an individual chart or the entire dashboard whenever you feel like it. So what does this cost if I wanted to go in and start visualizing my data? How is this cost calculated? So the strategy we've taken with charts pricing is really we want it to be available to all MongoDB cloud users. So it's effectively a rounding error away from being free. Um, the reason it's not free is that we don't want someone to go completely crazy and use charts so much it actually ends up costing us money. So the way the pricing model is, is everybody gets a super generous free tier. Um, if you use it uh, at a very, very high amount, then you basically start paying really our bandwidth costs and no more. Uh, what we find is the overwhelming majority of users uh, don't pay anything. Those that do usually cost kind of a cup of coffee or two a month kind of thing. It's uh, really very, very low priced. The, the way it's, it's priced is technically the amount of data that is transferred. Um, but even if you have like a really big collection, the data that's transferred is not all the data in the collection is just the data used by the chart. So a, a chart with say 10 bars is like 10 documents, not a million documents that might be the raw data. So it's pretty hard to consume that uh, a very large amount of bandwidth. So given what's happening with the coronavirus in the world and a lot of data being published from say places like John Hopkins University, are we offering any kind of discounts or special promotions that will make it easier on the sciences and medical sectors? Uh, no special deals. Uh, I guess we haven't got any at the moment. If somebody wants to suggest something, then we're certainly always open to those kinds of uh, um, communication. But honestly, the way the pricing is, even even the really highly used public dashboards are not costing anybody any significant amount of money. Compared to the other options you'll see in the market, um, this is a, a, a very good deal. Hey, so are, are there any additional attack vectors exposed, uh, like from a security perspective, if I'm if I'm a developer and maybe I've got a highly sensitive application, uh, I do need charts as a part of my application, uh, but I'm really concerned about security. Am I exposing any additional attack vectors by using charts? I would say that you know, with 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 any product where you're you're opening up your your data to to um, other individuals, there's always a a new uh, attack vector that could be. Uh, present, um, I wouldn't say that charts necessarily makes that more likely or more possible. Um, we, within the product, include a number of permissions uh, and controls that allow you to uh, quite fine-grainedly define who can see a chart and who can't. So um, if you look at the product as it is today, um, at the data source level, uh, you can define uh, permissions, which we, we, we inherit from the Atlas project uh, itself. Um, to define who can uh, have read access to uh, that data. Um, and then at the dashboard level itself, you can then define permissions of who can see uh, that dashboard. So for example, I could create a dashboard that has uh, three charts on it, which use uh, three different data sources, but only be, be permissioned on two of those data sources and be granted access to uh, that dashboard. That just means two of the charts are going to render for me, whilst one of them won't render because I don't have uh, permission to access that underlying data. Likewise, with things like the embedding SDK, um, when you're doing authenticated embedding, uh, we provide a number of means to actually um, uh, define the what fields within the collection are, are able to be used um, to filter data on. 
Um, the reason we do this is because you could actually infer data uh, from a filter that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise um, uh, see from an aggregated view. I have a follow-up question around something that I'm trying to process. So let's say that I am an admin. I need to visualize some very sensitive information for my organization, maybe finance data. I need to share this in the company wiki so that way everyone within the company can see it. I assume that I'm going to be using the embedded SDK for this. Is there anything in place to stop somebody from looking at the source code for say that iframe or whatever that component is, and then sharing it on say social media, in an email, et cetera? I mean, is my data going to be safe? Because it is quite sensitive and I don't want it to get into the wrong hands. So I, as the user that creates the chart and has the, um, I guess the owner level permissions on the data source can ultimately make those decisions based on the sensitivity of the data. So by default, uh, charts cannot be embedded um, and data cannot be viewed outside of the organization. You must be authenticated user who already has permission to that cloud project to see any data. Um, if you have the, the suitable permission level, you can choose to enable embedding on the data source and enable it on the chart. And when you enable the embedding, you actually have two options. You either have authenticated embedding or unauthenticated embedding. In the case of your sensitive finance data, you would choose the authenticated option, which basically means that uh, unless a user on that wiki or whatever is actually got a valid token, um, then they will not be allowed to see that data. So even if someone like does a view source and they save and send that on Twitter to somebody else, um, the whoever opens that will not have a valid token and will not be able to view that data. However, if it's like something like um, movie stats or something like that, which is not sensitive, you do have the option to have unauthenticated embedding turned on. Um, you have to have basically owner permissions to that cluster to make that decision. Um, but if you do that, you can choose to share that data with the world as an iframe to anybody who wants to see it. So um, there's always the the risk that someone can choose the wrong setting as there is with any security model. Uh, we, we provide the tools where um, people can go and choose a level of access that's appropriate to the sensitivity of the data they wish to share. Great. So I did have one more question about the authenticated versus unauthenticated. And, and Tom, you mentioned that um, an embedded chart, if I go through the workflow, I, I obviously I put my data in MongoDB. It's in MongoDB Atlas. I expose that. I open up charts and I give access to charts to my data in Atlas. And I begin the process of crafting these visualizations using MongoDB charts. Once I'm happy with the way that the visualizations are coming together, I want to share that. I want to I want to embed that in my application, and and there's a great way you can do that right in the UI to get to get the embedding code. Um, it's going to be basically grabbing the iframe, or you could use the SDK. Um, but you mentioned authenticated versus unauthenticated, and you know having gone through that workflow and developed charts and embedded charts in an application that I've released, I don't I don't think I've used authenticated. Can you explain a little bit more, maybe about how that authentication token gets set. Yeah, sure. So um, assuming you have a sensitive chart, you want it to be available just to users of your particular application. So your application will obviously have an authentication system. So we'll have a username, password, or we'll use Google authentication or something like that. Um, and then after the user authenticates, generally speaking, your that the, the application will emit a JavaScript web token. Uh, which basically is this authentication system has certified that Mike has logged in to this particular application. 
So when you configure authenticated embedding, basically we are telling charts about the authentication signatures, so the token signatures. So it too can check that that signature is valid. So basically the existing token that your application is already generating is sent to charts. Charts will validate that this token was indeed issued by the, um, the correct uh, provider, that it's still valid. Um, and if so, it will render the chart. Um, you can even do more advanced things. So you can actually uh, say that not only do you need to have this provider, but you must filter every chart so people can only see data that they're authorized to. So you can only see your own data or only see data from your own region. But basically it comes down to attaching a JavaScript web token to your embedding request and having charts validate that the token is uh, understood and valid before the chart will be rendered. When it comes to feedback and figuring out what people are actually interested in when it comes to charts, how are you engaging with the community? Um, so that's kind of the bread and butter of being a product manager, I guess, is finding out what people want. And there's no one way of doing that. In fact, the only way to be a product manager is to actually use as many different channels to get that information as possible. So that varies from like public forums, so the MongoDB developer site, the uh, MongoDB feedback engine, which is feedback.mongodb.com, where people can uh, submit suggestions and vote on them. Um, it's calls with customers. Um, so some of the MongoDB sort of architects and account people will have conversations with customers and they'll bring me into the calls and I'll have a longer conversation with them. Um, during non-pandemic times, it will be hanging around a booth for eight hours and talking to people uh, that come up and, and ask about the product. And it'll also be things like surveys as well. Sometimes if there's a particular feature we are planning on building, but we're not quite sure exactly what the scenarios are or exactly which way we should go, we might put out a targeted survey where we'll ask people to share their opinion. Um, so it's really all those combinations of things, plus even just our own experiences as users of the product ourselves. So we eat our own dog food, as you said, uh, we build charts, we realize what doesn't, doesn't work. So all those kind of different sources of input really go into a melting pot and we stir those up and figure out what bubbles to the top. Yeah, I just uh, nag Tom when I want a feature built or I just sneak it into the backlog and build it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, so what's what's on your on your to-do list? What are you working on now that you're uh, that you're excited about? Um, well, at the moment, um, I'm all about sort of giving uh, people more control and more customization over their way their charts actually look. So we're currently in the process of drafting um, a, a quite a large epic to improve uh, the customization features we have uh, for the different chart types. Um, and this includes one of the top requested features that we've had on feedback.mongodb.com, which is conditional formatting for tables. So this is a, um, I guess, a, a rules-driven engine whereby the actual visual appearance, you know, the shading of the cells or the font colors, et cetera, can change based on uh, the data as it changes. Yeah, some of the things that I'm sort of working on and thinking about uh, is adding a lot more interactivity to the product. So being able to say, click one chart to filter another chart or like double click on a bar and see all of the data that contributed to that bar. Um, also, maybe a bit more further out, we are looking at an improved uh, developer experience where you'd be able to programmatically create and manipulate charts. So currently the embedding SDK really gets uh, lets you render a chart that was already created, but being able to dynamically define your own charts through code is something that we're looking at doing in the future as well, which will open up a broad range of, of new options for developers. 
Yeah, if I can vote, if I can, if I can vote on a feature, I'd love the ability to, to double click into a chart, to have that level of interactivity, maybe one chart to another. Yep, we'll be coming. I, I was just looking at the, the COVID data, uh, some really fantastic stuff done by one of our developer advocates, uh, built in, building on the, um, on the COVID data. It's made available by John, Johns Hopkins. And I, I would love the ability to, to double click and, and dive into each of those individual charts. But uh, that's my vote. Of the user provided feedback, are you able to estimate how much has actually made it onto your roadmap? Uh, look, ultimately, almost all of the things we build uh, are from user feedback. The question, I guess, is whether it's direct or indirect. So sometimes people will say, we want conditional formatting. Um, I've seen it in tableau or whatever and i like it and i need it so please go and build that sometimes it's a lot more subtle so people um kind of complain that they were, well, they were confused by something they they um went down the wrong path they asked for a feature that maybe already exists and we realized that look maybe the way we've surfaced things is not quite right or maybe there's another way we can look at things so uh, as an example i guess the, the charts has a concept of data sources uh which is really how you tell the product about which data you want to visualize the way we designed that feature uh, really goes back to the very early days of charts before it evolved into the product it is today. Um, and it's kind of become a little bit of a liability and we want to rework that to really make it easier for people to use and understand. So no one's actually directly asked, can you build, can you change what data sources are? But they do say things that make us realize that maybe the way we the, the data sources work today is not ideal. So that's uh, an example of kind of indirect feedback. Yeah, speaking of data sources... Um, I'm curious about the Venn diagram between data lake and, and charts. And will, will you ever, are you thinking about in your product roadmap, perhaps, are you thinking about, um, leveraging data sources that are not MongoDB directly, or, or perhaps are, are made available to charts via data lake? So Data Lake, absolutely. Um, so Data Lake is obviously a pretty new product that's still evolving itself. So it takes a little bit of time to uh, get that kind of integration going. Um, but we um, absolutely plan to allow customers who are storing data, say, in, in S3 flat files and expose that through Data Lake to be able to use charts to build uh, a visualization. Um, because Data Lake is optimized for potentially very large amounts of data, um, there's some interesting engineering challenges to that. So we have to make sure that um, if, if it takes a long time to build the chart, can we improve our caching? Can we change our timeout behavior? So that kind of works the way that people would expect. So there's a bit of work involved, but we are doing that. Um, in terms of visualizing not, uh, data, let's say not MongoDB at all, uh, that's unlikely to happen. Like you never say never, but that's a pretty well-served market. So you can probably find 100 different tools that can talk to every database under the sun. And if that's what you want to do, then use one of those products. What we're trying to be in charts is the best visualization product for MongoDB users. That said, uh, Tom and I did win a Skunkworks uh, one year for um, visualizing uh, JSON data that just from a REST endpoint. Um, so uh, we've proven it is possible. And we actually think that, you know, what that sort of experiment proved out was uh, the... Uh, the need and the capabilities for being able to render um, data that's stored in places like Atlas Data Lake. Um, we can serve those customers who have those sort of uh, sporadic uh, data files scattered across uh, the web a little bit easier in those locations. But as Tom mentioned, from an engineering point of view, it's a, it's a huge challenge because 
um, you're dealing with um, you know quite a lot of data. Some of it might not be indexed, um, and you're having to sort of pipe that uh, from one location to to another um, in possibly a suboptimal way. So we have to find um, you know things that we can do to make sure that the user still has a good um, experience whilst uh, building the charts. Because let's face it, no one wants to sit waiting for three hours for a chart to render whilst you're building it. So we need to find uh, ways to to sort of help the user uh, get an idea of what their chart might uh, look like at the time of creation, even if it doesn't represent the the full picture um, from a viewing experience. Mm, that's always a challenge. Um, well, this has been a phenomenal conversation, and I, I want to start the process of wrapping up. But I want to give you an opportunity to maybe we didn't cover something. What what do folks need to know about charts that we haven't really covered? Um, any any key um, things on the roadmap that we didn't touch, or or key features that are built in today that you want to talk about before we start the wrap up? Uh, the main thing, I guess, I would. Um, kind of just emphasize um, is if you are a MongoDB Atlas user, then you have charts. Um, it's You can go from never having heard of the product to having live visualizations of your data in about two minutes. Um, we um, at, at the time of recording, at least, we're just rolling out a new onboarding experience that gives you sample dashboards and new ways to learn the product and understand the set of capabilities. So um, the biggest, um, there's always new features around the corner, um, but the biggest thing I guess I want to call out is just to give it a go. Um, you can do some simple things very easily. The more advanced things, we're continually rolling out new capabilities, but data in a database is not very useful. Um, you, you can't, it's important that it's there. Um, but unless you can actually do something with it, solve problems, get insights, it's not very useful. So data visualization is not the only way to get value out of data, but it's a really great way. Um, so even if you don't think you're a data analyst or you don't think that building dashboards is sort of part of your job description, um, give the product a go, uh, just explore, play around with it, learn stuff, and you'll probably make better decisions And um, from from having access to those kinds of insights. I completely agree, and I'd like to echo what Tom's saying. Um, for myself personally, uh, I build a number of apps and work on a number of projects outside of my role at MongoDB. And I, you know, recently started taking advantage of the capabilities of MongoDB charts in my own uh, personal work, and I discovered some really interesting insights about how the apps that I build uh, outside of my role. Um, were being used by by the users that use them and it helped me actually prioritize and and drive the roadmap for for those apps um based on uh just in which the way uh users were engaging with with those products um so if you if you're not a data scientist and you and you, you don't really feel like you have the need uh to to sort of be visualizing data i would, I would challenge you to uh, on that assumption because you may find that you would gain insights that would otherwise be lost on you. Um, so I'd encourage every uh, engineer to to check it out. And as Tom said, it's it's really really simple. Even if you don't um, have a uh, production data set that you want to visualize today, um, you can get started in Atlas with the sample data sets. We've got some great sample data sets, um, including. Uh, data sets that model Airbnb listings, uh, movies database, or whatever your interest. Um, and so I'll pose a challenge to your listeners. Um, import the sample data set for the Airbnb Sydney listings and tell me 
what is the most exper- expensive area in Sydney to uh, book an Airbnb? <laughs> okay, we've got a challenge, and and maybe we can come up with a a promo code or a special piece of swag. Uh, we'll have to figure that out. But um, I love the I love the concept. Um, so so we've got. Um, just a couple of more minutes, and I wanna I wanna ask you guys how how listeners can get in touch with you. We did talk about feedback.mongodb.com, uh, and of course we all know about community.mongodb.com where the forums are. But tell us where uh, listeners can find you in the social spaces. Uh, so those mechanisms are probably the best ways for chart specific questions, uh, just because um, they're nicely organized. So if you have a feature um, idea and you put them on feedback.mongodb.com, it's not just a, a post that gets lost in the annals of time. It's something that people can kind of vote on. And if people keep on voting, it bubbles to the top. So that's the best way of, um, I guess, providing that kind of input. And if you have technical challenges, you can definitely use the community forums. Um, I'm always happy to engage and talk sort of directly to as sort of a, a, a person, uh, not just as the um, as, as a as a product um so on twitter i'm not the biggest twitter user in the world but i'm at tom hollander if anybody does want to reach out to me directly i on the other hand i'm a prolific uh twitter user so um you could definitely uh at me although i do have one of the most embarrassing usernames because it was one of those uh, chosen uh or a nickname from early childhood so you can at me at matt underscore d underscore rat that's matt the rat <laughs> god i must change that someday um uh, <laughs> no, you can never do that. It's it's stuck now. <laughs> we live with the, the decisions we made in our youth, I guess. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, hit me up on Twitter. Um, my DMs are open. Um, so if you have any questions or you know, you're trying to figure out a particular way to solve a problem, I'm uh, more than happy to 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 uh, provide uh, some suggestions. Uh, but also, if you just want to talk about other stuff, um, you'll you'll find out if you look at my profile the things I, that I'm interested involved in. So. You know, let's have a conversation. Outstanding. Terrific conversation. And I really, truly appreciate you taking the time. I know it's early where you're at in uh, in Sydney. Uh, so great conversation. Uh, I look forward to continuing to work with both of you. Great. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for having us. Thanks again to Matt and Tom. If you want to learn more about MongoDB charts, head on over to mongodb.com slash charts. You can get started for free, launch a free tier instance, fire up charts, and begin building in less than two minutes. If you want to give some feedback, maybe you're using MongoDB charts already and you want to give Matt and Tom some feedback about your experience, visit feedback.mongodb.com. If you want to interact with other developers using these products, and myself included, Nick included, we're in the forums. You can find us at community.mongodb.com. Strongly encourage you to give us some feedback on the podcast. How are we doing? Visit your favorite podcast network and give us a five-star review. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know what you like and what you didn't like. Thanks again, everybody, and have a great day.